You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Oh! Number We're talking about practice. Hello, you play to win the game. The Yankees are champions of baseball. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Three, two, one. Happy 2000. No time on the clock, and the Patriots have won Super Bowl 36. Jordan open. Chicago with the lead! Worldwide Sports Radio Network presents Below the Mark. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is Below the Mic. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go, you could also go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You could download our app by going to iOS, which is Apple WWSRN. Or you can go to Android, and all you have to do is search it at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, we're not in the well. Speedy's not in the studio. Speedy is over there in Connecticut, running the show, produ- producing a little bit over there. I'm going to be doing practically all the work over here, but I'm I'm used to that sometimes. Speedy, what's going on, my friends? Yeah, I mean, you're used to it sometimes. Uh, you've had you produce other shows. You're not new to that by any means. You did it long before I did, so. Definitely not. Definitely not an issue for you. No, it's not an issue for you, and and well, for me, for you, for anybody. Anyways, uh, we have a great show lined up for you at six thirty. We'll be talking to um, first guest. We're going to be talking to uh, USC tight end uh, recruit Lake McGree. McGree, right? Is McGree? Yeah. Well, you need to roll. You got to put your volume up, Speedy, because it is low. And at seven fifteen, we'll be talking to UMass tennis player Brittany Collins uh so that's who we'll be talking to at 7:15 but we do this every single uh below the mic we do this sports and entertainment news here we go well 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 i'm losing my voice four best trade destinations for the clippers lou williams well, Lou Williams, who's been the sixth man of the league really for the last couple of years. He's been a dominant player, a dominant force for the Clippers off the bench. Here's the notable thought here. I, I think he would fit very, very well with the Lakers. That's who I think. Also, the Pelicans are another team that needs a shooter on that team. So there are quite a few teams that will be very intriguing uh, places for Lou uh, Williams. Um NFL news, is it Lamar Jackson or is it the rest of the Ravens? Well, Lamar Jackson hasn't played very, very well the last couple of weeks. Uh, Maybe uh, the NFL has figured him out. I've been saying this over and over again. A running quarterback does not last in the NFL. Uh, The question is, when you think of the big story and really the big edge here, is the Ravens going to move forward and make the playoffs? That's going to be the question. They have not looked good the last four weeks. They have been really, really bad. So uh, I'm questioning if they're even going to make the playoffs. Broncos have not discussed Garrett Bowles' extension. Um, Well, uh, a lot of teams aren't going to be talking extensions until the end of the season, so I'm not surprised about that. Tension between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians might be real. Now, I, I know there are stories coming out of Tampa that they're not getting along. I just think this is a press thing. 
Um, I'm questioning uh, what the press is trying to do with this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. But the question is, if it is true, how is this team going to move forward if the coach and Tom Brady are not getting along? Guys, Speedy. Yeah, that's uh, definitely something that you don't want to have right before the playoff either. I mean, Brady's only on a one-year deal where maybe that, that's not going to happen to resign him. But if going into the playoffs, that's not going to be good either for them. Russell Wilson tells Ciara that she might get pregnant again while promoting their RNC fragrance. Fragrance. What does that have anything to do with football? I mean, if she's going to get pregnant, I guess uh, they're going to be getting it on, I guess. I, I don't understand how that has anything to do with sports. Uh, Colts place uh, defor- uh, I'm sorry, Buckner on reserve COVID-19 list. I mean, Buckner coming out, coming down with COVID-19. Uh, so he's going to have to sit out for two weeks or 10 days. Uh, so uh, that's a big part of their defense moving forward. That's huge, especially in the week now. Guess who they're running back they got to face this week? Derrick Henry. Have fun with that without Buckner. NBA room rumors and news. A crazy blockbuster trade. Ben Simmons to the Clippers for Russell Westbrook to the 76ers and Paul George to the Rockets. Speedy, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I like it from the from – the, uh, the Sixers standpoint, getting Russell Westbrook, a veteran leader, that ends up help, helping out. He's, again, different type of player than Simmons, but kind of similar skill set-wise. I don't really like it for the Clippers, though. I mean, why are you trying to take on Simmons to go with Kawhi Leonard? who He's had trouble with other players in Philadelphia, so I don't know if that's going to be really good, a good fit and makes no sense for the Rockets. I don't, if they're going to purge assets, they don't really need Paul George. You want to rebuild. Buddy Heald uh, liked uh, liked a tweet that sure made it seem he's happy, unhappy with the Clippers. I mean, who's writing these stories? Just get to the point. I'm reading the story. Get to the damn point. Buddy Heald is is, is unhappy over there with the Sacramento Kings. So trade him. That's all I'm going to say. If he's not happy there, trade him. Okay? This is ridiculous, these long stories. Clippers agree to deal with Kai Bowman. What do you think, Speedy? Interesting fit. I, I, he was a decent player his rookie year. Nice player at Boston College as a, as a college player. And he was okay with the Warriors when the Warriors had all those injuries this season. So uh, definitely definitely good for, for depth. Uh, we'll see how he fits, though, with Tyron Lue, the great basketball coach that he is not. <laughs> uh, does Bam Adebayo uh, extension mean that he can't get uh, Giannis? Uh, yes, it does. I, I, $195 million. That's a significant amount of money for a big man. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to fit Giannis, uh, Giannis in their uh, in their salary cap. So I do believe that they don't they don't believe they're going to get Giannis. Um, so that's definitely Levar Ball wants two hundred million dollars to play Michael Jordan on a one on one game. That's not going to happen. Uh, MLB rumors and news, ladies and gentlemen. Rockies and Reds swap Jeff Hoffman for Robert Stevenson. What do you think, Speedy? Uh, again, minor deal. I like Stevenson. Um, I think he could, he could definitely be a helpful fit for a Rockies team that always needs pitching. But, I mean, not really a, a big deal otherwise. I can't really see them having impact players right away. The Reds, they're a team I like on the rise. So it definitely could help, but it's not going to be a big piece either way. Diamondbacks release veteran right-handed pitcher Junior Guerrero. Not a story. Top landing spot uh, and a trade package for Rays. 
Blake Snell. Hmm. Well, hmm. there is one team right now in New York that'll be looking for him. It's not the New York Mets. It's the New York Yankees. I think that's a perfect spot for Blake Snell. The Yankees have a good farm system. I think that Tampa Bay would be very intrigued and very interested in some of their players. Uh, they have some players uh, like, uh, um, uh, um, I'm sorry. Um, what, who's the guy that hurt himself? Uh, the third baseman. I'm sorry. Uh, third baseman a couple of years ago. Uh, Andahar. Speedy, you're, you're no good. You're no help over here. Uh, Andahar, who hasn't played all season uh, in the 60-game season, I, I could see Andahar and a couple of players in a package. He's a player that could play every day on this team. So I could see that happening. Andahar is a cheap, uh, cheap player too. So uh, that's something interesting. They could also move uh, another player, uh, another young pitcher on their farm, you know, maybe a Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Pirates claim pitcher Ashton Goodell destination will Craig for assign that De- desti- uh, I'm sorry, designate will Craig for assignment speedy. Uh, again, minor players, the Pirates are trying to rebuild. They're just trying to get all the young players they can get. So designating some veteran guys. Last off NHL news, Bog- Bob Nicholson uh, hopes world juniors can boost morale during an uncertain time. What do you think about that? I mean, maybe. I mean, we're, we're getting the Olympics next year for uh, in the summer and for the winter. Again, there's a lot of countries that love hockey. That would definitely be something that they could boost. Again, it's and it's kids too, and it's definitely something that could that could boost a lot of the the fans, especially with hockey season possibly coming back too. That's definitely something that could uh, help. And again, with the draft, we don't know when it's going to be. It's going to be a big chance for these kids to prove themselves too. Well, that's sports and ent- entertainment news. Uh, it, it's very hard to do this when Speedy's over there in Connecticut because I can't really concentrate on the, the reading and everything like that. But nevertheless, I will say this. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of sports going on in the world. So I'm not surprised uh, that uh, there are stories coming out from all different organizations that, uh, you know, uh, sports might be held up this year. I don't, I don't know. Uh, all in all. What is going to happen uh, moving forward with the NFL season Uh, and really what's going to happen with the NBA and uh, the NHL season too. Cause uh, Gary Bettman has come out and said that the season might not start on time. They might not play an 82 game season. So I'm not surprised that there's a lot of backlash going on in professional sports, not only with the ownership, uh, but uh, the commissioner of baseball. So, Speedy, what do you think about that? Yeah, again, at some point, you're going to have to sacrifice in terms of the shortened season. And that goes for all the all these sports. Uh, the NBA is already kind of doing it to an extent with what their plan is for this year, starting December 22nd. And the NHL is probably going to have to do it at some point, too. I know Gary Bettman wants an 82-game season, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily realistic to the extent of because the draft has already been shifted, because there's a lack of training camp, that's going to make it very hard. And if you do it next year, then you do it next year. At some point, the players have to sacrifice and say, all right, we have to go into this, this kind of season. Well, I, I, everybody wonders why I want to get into this. And the New York Jets is a big story right now in New York uh, with the whole Adam Gay situation. And there are stories coming out uh, from the Jets organization, Joe Douglas. I, I, obviously, Joe Douglas is not going to come out and say that he's looking at other coaches, but there, there is a coach uh, that has uh, has his eye a, in, in his radar, and that's Northwestern Fitzgerald. Now, I don't know much about him. I really don't. I know he's been over there in Northwestern. He played for Northwestern uh, in college. He's been the coach there for a while. Uh, he's been a very successful coach in, Nor- a co- a coach in Northwestern. Uh, the question is, um, 
is he the right fit for the New York Jets? And I don't know if this story is 100% true. I, I do believe there's some kind of truth to this story that they are interested in Fitzgerald. They're also interested in the Iowa State coach. Uh, who's very intriguing, not only here in, you know, in the NFL, some of these teams. Uh, Fitzgerald was actually one, there were teams that wanted to interview um, Fitzgerald last year, and he declined to interview with some of those teams. Uh, the same thing with Iowa State's uh, uh, head coach. Uh, well, who's the Iowa State head coach? I'm sorry. I'm sorry? Matt Campbell is the Iowa State head coach. Well, get He's your mic up or something. Get your mic up or something like that, because you are muffled over there. But who was it? Matt Campbell is the Iowa State head coach. Well, it's your internet, so uh, unfortunately, your internet's not that good. But um, Matt Campbell is is a guy that the Jets are also interested in. Now, the question to a lot of Jet fans is, uh, do you bring in a, co- a coach that has coached in the NFL, has been a coach in the NFL, like a Jim Harbaugh or maybe – uh, Caldwell or uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's an offensive coordinator, a lot of people think could be the next big head coach in the NFL, being that he's been under Andy Reid for the last five, six years. Uh, that's something that you're, where, where is definitely interesting. I know uh, O'Brien, who was fired by the Texans, is going to be looking for an offensive coordinator job. I don't think a head coaching job, but I, I think there he's definitely a guy that the Jets could look at uh, as an offensive coordinator moving forward uh, in the offseason, whoever they bring in. Um, I don't believe the Jets are going to bring in a defensive coordinator as a head coach. Uh, they've gone that route over the years with the Herm Edwards, the Eric Manginis, the Rex Ryans. It didn't work out. Even Todd Bowl, uh, Bowl. So it hasn't worked out. Uh, it hasn't worked out with an offensive coordinator over there right now in Adam Gase either. So um, it, it, to me, when you look at the big picture with the New York Jets, uh, it, it's kind of iffy where the Jets are going to go in the offseason as a head coach. I, I know a lot of people think that Adam Gase is going to keep his job. He's not keeping his job. He, he's not. I don't care what anybody thinks right now. In the big picture, the New York Jets do not want to keep Adam Gase there. Now, they're going to say, well, why haven't they fired Adam Gase? Who are they going to give the reins to? Uh, Greg Williams that have thrown the organization and the head coach under the bus the last couple of weeks? I mean, they're not going to give it to a guy that's going to uh, take shots at the organization and, and really the head coach that's running running the team right now. So I think they're going to stick with Adam Gase until the end of the season. Uh, Black Monday is right around the corner. I do believe Adam Gase will be fired uh, right after week 17. I, I do believe that after the Patriots game, win or lose, Adam Gase, you'll, you're going to hear stories coming out of, of the Jets uh, that they are going to let go of Adam Gase. But think, go ahead. I think the Jets, regardless of who their quarterback is, they have to go for an offensive coach. And I, I, we've said it all the time. The enemy is the best one. I think uh, definitely the most deserving of that position, no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Fields, whether it's Lawrence, whether they try to hang on to Sam Darnold, that's going to be the guy to look for. And again, that's the trend of the game too. We don't see a lot of defensive coaches getting hired now. And outside of Atlanta, I don't think you're going to see any other teams hire defensive coaches because it's just not the trend. And you're right. Definitely a lot of those college coaches could be uh, in the mix. Matt Campbell is definitely interesting because he's been up for inter- interviews for NFL jobs for the last three years too, kind of like what Kingsbury was for a while too. And then Kingsbury obviously got Arizona's job. So Campbell's another one that's highly touted. I was telling this to Josh yesterday. I'm still not crazy about Fitzgerald. He's a decent offensive mind and he's had Northwestern ranked at times. They're number eight right now, but still not, still not a guy that I think is. No, but, but here's the problem with you, Speedy. Oh, the problem with you, and I say this all the time, 
you're looking at where he is coaching. It doesn't matter where he's coaching because we've seen coaches come from really small divisions, really small leagues, and have been successful in the NFL, have been successful in the NHL, the NBA. We've seen this before. I don't know why you're looking at, well, he comes from Northwestern. He comes from an easy division, a division that nobody even talks about. It's a, it's a D1 division, okay? It's not a huge D1 division. They don't win a national title game, but how many national title championship, champion coaches have come to the NFL and become successful? Uh, the answer is not many. Not many. I'm not even judging like that. I'm yes, you like, did. Yes, you did. I saw I saw your Texas when you were texting Josh. I was on the phone with him. I saw what you said. Look at the division he's in. He's not in a major conference. That has nothing to do with the coaching. That has nothing to do with coaching, Speedy. So you can go and make your you know your arguments to whatever you said. I saw what you wrote. And it's, it's wrong. It's completely wrong because it doesn't matter where Fitzgerald's coming from. It doesn't matter where Campbell is coming from. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's Jim Harbaugh, just because Jim Harbaugh is, is coaching for Michigan, he's a better pick than Fitzgerald. That's wrong. That is well, no, absolutely wrong. Jim Harbaugh also had success though in the NFL though, too. So he, but what does that have anything to do with Fitzgerald? Because Fitzgerald's never had success because he never wanted the coach and NFL team. He's had opportunities. He's had opportunities to interview for positions. He's decided not to. Now, he has the opportunity to possibly interview for the Jets. Why not bring in a guy that has, he has no background in the NFL? Uh, he has had success in college football. And maybe bring in a guy that nobody would have expected or and maybe be successful. Did anybody think Joe Judge was going to be a success story for the New York Giants? So far, so good. I mean, you could say whatever you want. And I'm one of those guys that will take back everything I said about Joe Judge. He has been a lightning rod for the New York Giants, an absolute lightning rod for the New York Giants. So anybody that thinks that a Fitzgerald or a Campbell or anybody, you could bring him from a peewee league, okay? If he's a good coach and he's proven to be a good coach, he'll be a good coach in the NFL. All it has, all he has to do is make sure that these guys are going to follow his lead moving forward. There are a lot of coaches. Did anybody think that Kingsbury was going to be a good coach in the NFL? The answer is no. Okay, and we're he's still on that bracket to think to think that he's not going to be a head coach, a good head coach in the NFL. But all uh, all in all, he was very right. He was right to get rid of uh, the quarter. Uh, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Josh talk uh, talk a little bit in your mic and speak a little bit more thoroughly in your mic. Josh Rosen, he was right to get rid of Josh Rosen and, and, and draft Kyler Murray. Why? Because Kyler Murray is up for an MVP right now. He's played very solid in his in his first two seasons as an NFL player. And now you're seeing the uh, the growth of what this team could be moving forward. And that has a lot to do with Kingsbury. He is the head coach. Say whatever you want, Kyler Murray or no Kyler Murray. Kingsbury is running the show. And he is the guy. He's the front guy. And if they're winning, they're going to give him a lot of credit. If they're losing, they're going to take shots at him. They are winning. And because they're winning, you can't give it all to Kyler Murray and what this defense is and, and how special uh, they have looked, uh, you know, early, early in the season and now moving forward at the end of the season. So uh, Kingsbury has been successful so far as a head coach, Speedy. Mm-hmm. No, he has been so far. I, I, you're right. He's not in that upper tier yet. He's not top. You didn't like him. You didn't like him. You didn't no, like him, Barry? And a lot of guys that you didn't, and a lot of guys that you didn't like, Speedy, did, were not successful. And uh, that were a lot of guys that you didn't like were successful, and a lot of guys that you did like were not successful in the NFL. That's any, that's any coaching. That's but that's why, that's why, how could you, how could you come out and say, well, I don't think Fitzgerald would be a good fit in the NFL? How would you know? How would you know? 
because he's never coached just, in the NFL? Yeah, I'm just saying, I think in terms of the Big Ten coaching style, there's a, there's a big difference between that doesn't that and matter. That doesn't in, matter. In terms of what you see at the NFL level right now, that's why Cliff, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, even though you're right, it wasn't a successful Texas Tech head coach. He was seven and seven pretty much every year or not even below that. But his offensive style, that kind of Big 12 style is transitioning into the NFL. That's why somebody like Lincoln Riley, even though I don't like him, he's getting a lot of hype because of that Oklahoma style offense. All these Oklahoma quarterbacks are coming in. That kind of thing makes a difference. The Big Ten plays football differently. And even though they're a far better conference than the Big 12, some of those guys just haven't transitioned in the NFL, obviously outside of Harbaugh. Remember, Harbaugh was hired from Stanford in the Pac-12, where we've seen the kind of success rate a lot more. Pete Carroll from USC, same kind of thing. I think it makes a lot of sense to bring in a guy that nobody expects. The reason why is I think Joe Douglas needs to really dig deep on finding the, the future head coach of this team. It hasn't worked year in and year out. The Jets have had... I think the number is 14 coaches in the last uh, 20 years. Knowing that you have 14 coaches in the last 20 years, you had Rex Ryan for five years. The rest, I mean, Eric Mangini was there for two. I, I mean, uh, Herm Edwards was there for about four. I mean, they, the Jets have not been successful with the coaching uh, with the organization. So I, I think it, looking at the big picture and at the end of the season when Adam Gase gets fired, Joe Douglas has to do his due diligently. And he's got to go out there and interview Fitzgerald, Campbell, Hobble, whoever you can get your hands on and choose the guy that fits the direction of where this team is going to go in the future. I think it's a, it's a big spot for right now, the New York Jets, say whatever you want about the organization and who's running the organization and who owns the organization. The Jets are a hot spot to go to. And the reason why is they have the number one pick that right now they have the number one pick in the draft, which could be Trevor Lawrence. Even if they fall to number two, it could be Justin Fields. And they have a ton of draft stock moving forward with the Jamal Adams trade uh, and, and, and possibly trading Sam Darnold for a first or a second round draft pick to really extend uh, the, the early rounds where they can get a top, uh, top talent in, in early in the round. So uh, you, you're looking at the big picture for the New York Jets. The Jets are in a good spot and they have a huge amount of money that they could spend in the offseason to bring in Allen Robertson to help them out in the wide receiver position, some offensive line talent, uh, you know, help or some defensive line help moving forward. So the Jets are set up really, really good moving forward. Pass rushers, I think definitely, especially what you saw in this last market with Everson Griffin having trouble getting a contract, or Davian Clowney having trouble getting a contract, Dick Beasley, guys like that. You're seeing that they're valuing based on uh, recent success rather than actual talent. But the Jets, if they stockpile a bunch of those types of guys, could end up forming a better pass rush, or at least a competent enough pass rush to go with the rest of their defense too. And I think that's going to be an area outside of Robinson, because you're absolutely right, that should be target number one. But pass rush after that, I think will be the, where they focus on. Allen Robinson will be their number one target. I promise you guys, everybody thinks I'm crazy. I mean, a lot of people are going to be looking for Allen Robinson because he's a top wide receiver in the league. He's a very talented kid. Uh, he's still fairly young. He's 27 years old. He's got, I think he's got at least four years of good football left. If he can stay healthy, uh, Julio Jones might be available uh, this off season in a trade uh, where you could probably get him for a fourth or fifth round draft pick from Atlanta. Atlanta is going to be rebuilding now with a new head coach. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity for the Jets to add that second tier or, or first tier wide receiver to help out Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder moving forward with possibly a rookie quarterback. So the Jets are in good shape. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into, well, when we come back, we're going to have a special guest. But later in the show, we're going to get into some uh, New York Knicks conversation 
Who are the Knicks going to be going after? I mean, John Wall is a name that is slowly but surely starting to sneak out there where the Knicks can make a move from uh, for the Washington uh, guard or Russell Westbrook. So there's a lot of talk uh, that these two guys could be a New York Nick in the very near future. When we come back, we have a very special guest. We're going to be talking to USC recruit tight end Lake McCree here on Below the Mic. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Below the Mic. We are live every single Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can also go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app, ladies and gentlemen, by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, uh, you know, it's not easy doing this simulcastly with Speedy over there in Connecticut. It never is. I hate producing a show because I can't really concentrate on the content of the show. But it is what it is. Right, Speedy? Mm-hmm. 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 You hear that? You hear that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, uh, it, it's, it's a great show, and I, I'm very excited to get this guy on. I actually grew up watching USC play. I, I always, I, Matt Leinart, uh, uh, Reggie Bush, when they were a talented team, Pete Carroll running uh, the, really running the, the, the team and pushing the team the way he has over the years. And yes, uh, two, two championships, two national champions. I don't care if they were cheating or not. It's two national championships. But we have uh, a USC recruit, and we are now talking to uh, tight end recruit for USC, Lake McGree. What's going on, uh, Mr. McGree? Doing good. Uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. I, I was happy because Jillian actually told me we've been interviewing so many different recruits around, you know, in top 100 recruits from 2021 and 2022. And a lot of them were tight ends. And it's amazing, uh, you know, hearing the size, uh, the sizes of some of these guys, some of them are six, eight, six, seven, six, six, 230 pounds could run uh, a 40 and, and four, seven, four, eight. It's ridiculous. So my question for you first is how are you and your family doing with this pandemic? Uh, we're doing good. I mean, it almost feels like it's reality at this point with how long it's been going on, but uh, we're hanging on and staying safe. Well, uh, and how about uh, how about you uh, doing this whole Zoom recruitment? I mean, it, it, to me, it, it, uh, talking to a lot of these different recruits, and it's not easy because when I was recruited as a hockey player, I went to college to college to college to talk to the coaches, interview with the coaches, um, them come to me, sit down with me and my family, have conversations about uh, why we should go, why I should go to their school, the academics, all that, that different crazy crap. So how is it different now uh, doing your recruitment and over, over Zoom? What is, what is the difference between going over there or talking to the coaches face-to-face or doing it on Zoom? Um, well, I mean, I think the most obvious one is you can't see the campus firsthand if you've never been there. So um, they kind of just have to show you everything virtually. Uh, I've been on many virtual tours um, this past couple of months before I ended up making my decision. So 
Um, I think that's really a big one is you don't get to see the facilities. Um, you don't get to see kind of where it is, what's around it and um, kind of the, the entire environment. So I think that was uh, something that really affected me and was a, made my decision a little bit harder. But you also don't know how much uh, the coaches are really into you and you can really tell um, in person by their body language and how many coaches are really trying to come up and introduce themselves to you and how much you, uh, you, you actually mean to them. So um, th those are two things that you, had to, you have to look over um, because of all the Zoom stuff, because it's a, it's, it's a whole nother world. Was there anything specific about Coach Clay Helton that really swayed you to pick USC over some of the other schools you were recruited by, including Texas, including Alabama, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, or some of the other ones too? Was there anything specific with Helton? Yeah, I mean, it's not just uh, Coach Helton. I mean, with such a big decision, uh, there's so many moving factors like location, education, um, and then just uh, the, the football program. So, I mean, I feel like the coaching staff at USC really took their time. They would uh, get me on a, a Zoom call two or uh, three times a week and just break down film, how I'd fit in the offense and um, how, how the offense really worked. And I, I, that was actually really helpful for uh, me to see because I could see uh, it, it was really similar to the Lake Travis style of offense, which is where I go to high school now. So um, that, that was really cool for me to see. So it was Coach Helton and their entire coaching staff just really uh, making it easy for me. As you guys know, we are talking to USC tight end recruit Lake McCree. Now, Lake, uh, first of all, that's a unique name. I mean, obviously you were named after a lake, right? Am I right? I, I, don't, I don't really know where that name came from, uh, but, but my dad was a – a pretty big water skier. So I'm sure that had something to do with it. Was he a professional water skier? <laughs> I don't know what a professional water skier is. So <laughs> I have water skied before. It is actually really, really fun, by the way. Oh yeah. It's a blast. Absolutely. So Blake, uh, the tight end position is really tra transformed into a wide receiver position. Uh, yeah. you, you guys are the big guys on campus. I mean, these now you're looking at tight ends making 70, $80 million a year, almost as much as a wide receiver is in the NFL. When you look at the position and really the transition of the position now in college football to the NFL, where do you see your game? What is the strength of your game that really stands out at that position? And is your game uh, does your game fit the NFL style? Um, well, I think my game, what, what my strengths are is, uh, is being as big as I am around like six, five, uh, 225. I can run routes pretty well. So, uh, I've been, I've been working out with a receiver coach to train me as a receiver. And then, um, I've, I, I can also block very well. So I think that that's my strength is you can kind of put me anywhere on the field and I'll have success there. And, I mean, I, I do try to model my game after, like, let's say Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, those type of guys. So um, I, I, I know uh, I, I have the potential to have the uh, NFL body type, but um, I definitely need to fill out a little more and uh, put, a little more, put a little more weight on me. I can help you with that. You know that I can help you with that. Actually, I'm serious. I, I work out. I, I, I was a, a semi-pro athlete growing up playing hockey. I, I was going to be a professional hockey player before I hurt, hurt my knee. And after I hurt my knee and I was deep, deep into the gym, not only boxing and mixed martial arts, I really got deep into the gym. I gained like 70 pounds of oh, wow. and I, most of it is muscle, believe it or not. I was, when I graduated from high school, I was 125 pounds, uh, Lake. 
I was a thin rail. I was a fast hockey player. I could play any position. And when I was getting recruited, I was getting recruited by New Hampshire. I was recruited by New Maine and Niagara. I chose Niagara uh, because I was, I was going to be redshirted on both those teams because usually you don't play until your second year in college hockey. Right. Uh, so I, it was really, really hard because if I put on a little bit more size, I think – um, I think I probably would have went to play junior hockey one year and then I probably would have went uh, in the NHL draft. So the size of you kids, I mean, it's unbelievable. The athletic ability, some of you kids coming out from college, being that you're six foot five, 225 pounds, you run, uh, you run like a cheetah, you jump like a, a kangaroo. I, I don't know. I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the athletic ability you kids have. So what is your strength? I mean, everybody's got a strength. Are you, uh, are you good at running routes? You said you're good at running routes. Do you have great hands? Are you fast? Um, are, are you a good blocker? Are you, are you good at all those things? And, and, and really, you can, you're that next breed of uh, tight end that's going to be going to the uh, NCAA or college football. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to be uh, – I'm pretty confident, so I think I'm good at all those things. But if there's something that um... – stood out. I think I, I uh, can jump pretty high because just I, I've always played basketball. So um, working on your vertical was pretty crucial. And I always love dunking. So um, I always tried to work on anything that would make my vertical higher. So I think that that's something that really stands out. A white guy that can dunk, ladies and gentlemen. What? I mean, seriously, how many NBA players that are white that can dunk? Not many. So we got one over here. So if football doesn't work out for you, maybe the NBA will. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm actually good at basketball. I'm just <laughs> maybe see me in the dunk contest, but that's about it. You're going to a good school with a good basketball program. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, just number six overall too for the Atlanta Hawks. That's true. Mm -hmm. So, Lake, I want to go back. I want to go back to the recruitment thing because um, you're from Texas, and Texas and UFC have that big rivalry. And with the national championship game back in 05, 06, uh, was, was there any like strange reactions to family and family and friends that maybe are Texas Longhorns fans? And um, did they, were they kind of annoyed that you made that decision over, over choosing Texas or, or even choosing Alabama or something like that? Oh, uh, no. I mean, um, I was originally committed to Texas, um, as y'all probably know, but I think, um, I mean, I still have all love for Texas. Texas has been uh, one of my favorite schools growing up, and it's always a school I've looked up to because, you know, hometown college, it's, that's uh, that's the goal right there. But, um, yeah, I mean, stepping back from that commitment definitely wasn't um, an overnight thing. It was multiple months talking with my parents, talking with my coaches, and just getting advice from people that had gone through something like this. So um, I, I definitely say that they weren't annoyed and um, someone who, like, really looked into it and saw – um, what I would have got at Texas, um, I could have, uh, I, I would have done better in other programs. So no, I, I really don't feel like any of my friends or family was annoyed by the decision or, and I, and I hope I have no uh, bad blood with any of the Texas fans. Cause I got all love for them. So. No, stop it. You're going to USC. You have a better chance to succeed in USC. The Texas Longhorns haven't done anything in forever. Now, let's be honest. I know you're a Longhorn friend, fan, but they haven't done anything. I mean, USC, at least they've played in national title games recently. Uh, they're, they're amongst, I would say they're ranked higher right now than the Longhorns. Uh, are they not speeding? Yeah, they're 3-0 right now. Yeah, so. they, are, they were last time I checked because Texas has three losses right now. And yeah, you, picked the, you made the right choice, uh, Lake. You, you absolutely did. And, and you have a better chance right now with the coaching over there uh, to succeed and possibly be an NFL player in the future. So 
I, I think you made the right choice. Uh, as you guys know, we are talking to USC. Yes, not the Longhorns. USC tight end recruit Lake McCree. Listen, I am a I'm a ball buster, Lake. So I, you know, I I know you're a Longhorn fan, but uh, I like I like taking shots at the Longhorns. I don't know what it is, right. but right. I know I know Texas. They have the best high school programs in the country. All they the do. great players come from Texas. They really do. It's Texas over here on the East Coast. It's usually Florida or New Jersey on the West Coast. Um, they're in weird things like uh, weird places like Oklahoma and Oregon. They're not, they're not in California and not a lot of good football players come from California. I don't know what it is. They're mainly basketball players that come from California. Then they do a football play. It's the crazy. It, it's a big state, but it doesn't make any sense. So let me ask you this question. And obviously you were looked obviously you were committed to the Longhorns and then you decided to take it back and, and go to USC. When you look at college football as a whole, with everything that's going on with COVID-19 and, and, and right now they're playing half the games instead of a full, a full slate. And, and next year where you're, you're going to be a recruit and you're going to have the opportunity to possibly play next year. Do you think that the NCAA is going to do the same thing they did this year and kind of uh, cut, cut half the season out? Or do you believe that moving forward, it would be the be- at the best interest of some of you young players and, and, and college football that they play a full season? Um, I mean, well, I think we've all seen in this year, 2020 is the most unpredictable thing ever. So um, what I hope and what I believe are two different things. I mean, I hope we get the full season and get all the games, but um, I really don't know what to believe because uh, our games out here just got postponed as well. So it's all, it's just a roller coaster because uh, we weren't supposed to have a season. Then we had a season, then it's, it gets cut short. So uh I'm not, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen, but uh, I just know as long as I'm playing football that uh, it'll be all right. Which Pac-12 opponent are you most looking forward to facing and why? Um, I'd say when I get out there, UCLA, because there's a uh, rivalry between those two being so close and both in California. So I think uh, that, that's all, that game's always hyped up and uh, that'll be a really fun one to play in. Well, you're going to be playing a good friend of ours. Yes, we interviewed him, top uh, top recruit, Mr. Devin, right, Speedy? Uh, he's going to be playing him. He wants to play Devin. So uh, you're going to have the opportunity. He might be uh, he might be guarding you, man. He might be taking you on the field. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You know Devin? What's his last name? Kirkwood. I, I, I don't think I, I know him, but is he uh, he's going to UCLA, I'm guessing? He, he was a top, he was the uh, top 15 recruit this year. Uh, he will be playing next year with you. Uh, he was uh, the top corner recruit coming out of your class. Okay, yeah. Nice kid, man. Very funny. Yeah. Uh, and he does talk a lot, so I, I can only imagine I'll what he's going to do to you. I'll look out for him. <laughs> Devin, I'm just kidding, man, as you know. Uh, um, as you know, we are talking to USC tight end recruit, Lake McCree. Now, Lake, uh, I, I, I see that you're a Kobe Bryant fan. Okay. Right. I see the Jersey on the wall. I, I, and I know, you know, it was a lot of stuff that happened this year. A lot of sad things that have happened. It's been probably the worst year for professional sports uh, and really the world. I mean, everything that's going on, it's been absolutely crazy. Uh, when you heard uh, Kobe Bryant's death, where were you and, and, and how did you, how did you mourn it? Um, I was actually in San Antonio, which is a city out here in Texas. I was out here with my uh, girlfriend and her family and we were shopping and my friend called me and he said that uh, Kobe died because 
we both uh, – Kobe was both our favorite players. And uh, I was like – I immediately thought he was kidding. I was like, whatever. And I looked it up, and I saw that it was actually true. So, uh, it, I mean, I didn't really know what to do. It took it took a while for it to actually hit me that, that he was gone because um, it just didn't feel real. It didn't feel real for a while. So I, I was really saddened by that. And, uh, yeah, it, it was hard. Do you have a favorite moment for for Kobe Bryant in his uh, in his playing career, or even just as a person? Um, well, I think I can't really say his eighty one point game because I I, I wasn't um, I didn't really know what basketball was and when when that happened. So I have to say his last game because I actually got to watch that um, and witness that and how 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 uh, how good that was. So well, you do realize that uh, the team that he played. Who did he play the last game? Was it the Nuggets? The Jazz. The Jazz. I'm sorry. It was the Jazz. So you do realize that Jazz practically let him shoot anywhere he wanted on the court. 60 points is 60 points. <laughs> he shot like 50 times. Yeah. Oh, my God. They got to win. They got to win. So. That's true. That's true. And, and listen, Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but he's still not in my top 10. He's still not in my top 10. No, no, no. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. You, you're young. You're young. A lot of you young fellows don't understand. I mean, there are so many great players that came. Oscar Robertson. You think Kobe Bryant was as good as Oscar Robertson? I mean, there was, there was a lot of great players that, you know, I never even got a chance to, you know, I'm 38 years old. I'm a little bit older than you and Speedy over there. Uh, Speedy's 25. You're 18, 17 years old. You guys are kids. So you, you never watched Eldon Baylor. I never saw him. I mean, I saw Larry Bird play and, and Mark Parrish and, and you guys really not to get, you really didn't get to experience the best time of basketball with some of the greatest basketball players of our era. So unfortunately, but Hey, listen, Kobe Bryant, you know what? I rated Kobe Bryant in my list. I rated him 16. That's oh. why I rated him. Yeah. That's pretty disrespectful. Oh, no, it's not. I mean, <laughs> Kobe Bryant averaged 24 points a game. Okay. 24 points a game. He averaged, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, seven rebounds or six rebounds, 6.4 rebounds a game and about four assists. Okay. If you want to compare and contrast his numbers to an NBA player right now, that is a borderline hall of famer. That's Carmelo Anthony. Those are the same numbers that Carmelo Anthony has. Now Carmelo Anthony hasn't won. He's hasn't won a championship. But you can compare Carmelo Anthony's numbers to Kobe Bryant's. Now, I'm not saying he's Kobe Bryant. I'm not comparing Carmelo Anthony to Kobe Bryant. But that's what I'm saying when, when you're looking at some of the players. Basketball is completely different now in this era, with, which has become a more offensive era with Steph Curry shooting those threes and Klay Thompson shooting. It's completely different. So uh, I, I respect Kobe Bryant. I think Kobe Bryant was one of the, the greatest uh, – uh, athletes of, of the last 10, 15 years. I just don't think in my, uh, the way I look at some of these players in NBA history, I don't put Kobe Bryant in my top 10. I just don't. Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal changed the game. He did. He changed the game. He was the diesel. He, he changed the game. He was a big man that could dominate the paint the way he did. You're going to tell me that Kobe Bryant was a better player than Shaquille O'Neal at the top of his game. Um, I think Kobe's better. Yeah. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> You're a Kobe fan. I'm not going to take a shot at it. You're a Kobe fan. A lot of Kobe fans take shots at me and say, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it's the truth. If you can compare and contrast the numbers and you look at some of the numbers, even the guys that are in the NBA right now, uh, you can look at some of the guys that are right now playing. Clay Thompson, I mean, he has almost similar numbers. Is, is he better than Kobe Bryant? I wouldn't say he is, but uh, Clay Thompson's looked at as one of the best players in the league. So that, that's just all, that's all I'm saying. As you guys – 
I'm, I'm sorry. Before we get to that, like, we actually had a guest a couple months ago, Ty Felton, and he was uh, talking about Kobe Bryant at the end of at the end of his interview, and then his mother actually came in. Oh yes, the Kobe fan too. <laughs> Her and Errol had a pretty interesting discussion with that. <laughs> she wanted to kill me. She wanted to choke me. But that's all right. I mean, listen, I, I, I just because I don't put Kobe in my top ten doesn't mean that I don't think Kobe was a great player. I put him at sixteen. That's a, that's high in my book. I mean, you you should see the players I put in front of him. Some of the greatest of all time. Guys that you probably never even heard of, Lake. So, uh, again, uh, unfortunately, uh, some of you young guys don't – you never really watched or you never really done the the background of where the NBA came from and some of these players that we've – you know, that slowly but surely, the Will Chamberlains, the Oscar Robertsons, the Bill Russells, all those guys. You, you can't tell me that Kobe Bryant was better than them. I mean, they completely revolutionized the game. But anyways, um, this is not about Kobe Bryant. This is about you. As you guys know, we're talking to USC tight end recruit Lake McCree. So, Lake, I know you talked uh, you talked to our uh, social media manager, Jillian, and I know she told you we're going to ask you some silly questions. Okay. And uh, I, I hope you're ready for this. I'm ready. All right. So all the recruits answer these to a T. After we ask you these three questions, you have the opportunity to ask us any question you want. you got three questions you can ask any one of us or both of us. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. First question, boxers or briefs and why? Is briefs like the compression ones? Yeah, you can you could say that. The compression's around your legs. Yeah, it gives you a little breathing. I never wear boxers. Well, you're smart. You're a really smart guy. You know, it's funny. I talked to you, all you young guys. And when we were kids, boxer, when we wore our cups, we, you know, the way it was set up, uh, you had to wear it over your boxers or you just wear it butt ass naked. And it was the worst. It was worse. Now you guys have a boxer brief shaped as a jock straps that you can put the cups inside your jock strap. It's, it's awesome. I mean, come on, man. You don't, it, the tighter, the tighter around your leg, uh, I mean, the, I mean, sorry, I'm sorry. The more it hangs, the worse it is, especially as football players. I mean, come on, man. It's like a, it's like a speed bag, you know, a boxing speed bag. You know what I mean, Speedy? You know all about that, right? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> all right. Question number two: uh, Your favorite snack to eat before a game, and why? Um, I have to go with trail mix. Uh, I do like the taste of it, and it's uh, not horrible for you. It's actually pretty good for you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, I'm going to go with trail mix. Now, you like the ones with the M&M's in them? Yeah, so it's not the healthiest type. It's got the chocolate M&M's, but, you know. Oh, I love them too, man. I, I, I used to eat them when I was a kid too. I, you know what it is, because your coach, I, I, used to, I used to love baby roots. So I, the funny story is I used to hide my baby roots in the back of my hockey socks. And uh, before, you know, if I needed a sugar rush, I don't run, I don't like Gatorade at the time. I didn't like Gatorade or Powerade. I just drank water. So I would sit in the bench and I would hide myself in the corner and I would start eating a baby Ruth. I was doing a, like a, a Mark Sanchez in that time, you know, eating a hot dog on the sidelines. I, I ate a baby Ruth okay. uh, in the game. It was very embarrassing. And you know, one time it got, I, I accidentally, I didn't finish it and I, I, did, I wanted to hide it from my coach. So it stuck to the inner part of my sock. Oh. And, and I, it, during the game, the, all the peanuts came out from the sock onto the ice. It was, 
suggested. It was a f- uh, very interesting. I, I was very surprised that my coach didn't see that, but uh, my first of all, I couldn't get it off my hockey socks, so I had to throw the hockey socks out. So just a long story of baby Ruth and my baby Ruth story. So there you go. Um, question three, blondes or brunettes and why? I know you got a girlfriend. Yeah, so I got to say blondes. Oh, you got to say blondes. I feel like I would. What's your okay. girlfriend's name, by the way? Uh, her name is Carly, and I feel like uh, I'd, I'd be in trouble if I didn't say blonde. So. All right, all right. How, how long have you been with Carly? Uh, over a year. I'd say like a year and a, two months or something like that. Really? Uh, where is she planning to go to school? She's undecided right now, so she doesn't really know. Uh, and, and you live in Texas, so do you think that she would uh, go all the way to uh, California to be closer to you? or? Um... I'm not sure. I, I just uh, I hope that she just does what's best for her, so. Oh, you're a good boyfriend. I like this. Oh, yeah, all right. All right. Now, you hear that, Carly? You got a good man. You got a good man. You know, uh, Speedy, you know, we're trying to get Speedy a girl. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's taking a while. It's taking a while. But uh, one of these days, we'll find somebody. Right, Speedy? No. I don't have I don't have as much to choose from as what Lake's gonna have at USC. Oh, you know, has a girlfriend. no, he's got a girlfriend. He's he's not. And you can't say anything on 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 live no. radio. He'll get himself. Not in a I know. Why would you do that, Speedy? Why would you do that to this kid? I mean, he's got a beautiful girlfriend, and he doesn't want to throw himself under the bus. You know, uh, you know, this Thanksgiving tomorrow he's gonna spend some time with her. Could could you imagine him tell you that uh, he's got all these beautiful? By the way, you had I I've seen some of the USC girls. They're beautiful. I've been. USC, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm just telling you the truth, Blake. That's uh, Blake. A real awkward Thanksgiving now. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. So ask us whatever you want, Lake. Um, how long have y'all been doing this for? I think that's my uh, main question. I've been in this business for 10 years. I used to work at CBS as an executive producer in NBC. Um. I've been on the radio for a very long time. I, after uh, hurting my knee and my, my pro sports career was over, um, I decided that I wanted to do something that really brought sports together in one. And, and I, I love being entertaining people. I've been all over the world as a DJ. Um, so uh, about seven, eight years ago, after I left uh, NBC and CBS, I decided um, to start a radio station. And I, I started one of the, most uh, one of the popular digital sports radio shows in the country on Twitter. I was the number one, number two, number one and number two ranking for the first two years on Twitter. Uh, we were drawing about 40 to 50,000 fans. And then we decided to uh, spread the wealth and build the network. Uh, you know, it, it took a while to figure things out and, and, and building numbers, but all in all, that's how it started. It's speedy was actually, he graduated from Connecticut, reached out to me a million times, Lake, before I answered him and he said he wanted to, to come and work for me and he's been working with me ever since. Right now he's in Connecticut with his family for Thanksgiving. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, I'm producing and doing all the work over here. So I want to smack Speedy when he gets back here. So <laughs> there you go. Speedy, how long have you been doing it? You, you would want to smack me anyway, just because you like it. Mm, yeah, I'm right. I do. Yeah, I've, been, I've been here with this station since, uh, since August of 2017. I actually came in, like Errol was saying, I did, I did a kind of an air test thing in July of that year. Um, so I've been- it was terrible, Lake. Terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. But you know what? That's why, I, I'm, that's why I'm still here. I'm stuck here. <laughs> I, I like taking on challenges and Speedy has grown with us and he's become a very 
uh, good worker, not only for the network, but for what we do as a product and what we do putting our product out there. We're on, one, we're on 103.9 here on Long Island. We are uh, one of the big news bro broadcasting stations on the FM dial, and we're working on something really, really big coming up. So uh, it, it, it's been great. Uh, it's been a great story. And I'm hoping that in the future, you know, uh, we'll come to your draft class. We'll meet all you all you great young guys, and uh, you know, I'll become your agent, and we'll move forward. You know, move forward with that. You know, yes, sir. Sounds like a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, my friends. Um. Well, I was gonna say how y'all met, but uh, I guess I, that was kind of through. You don't want to meet me, man. I, I actually, you, you do because I'm a crazy person. I, I like to have fun. I like to mess around. I I, I never take anything seriously. I, I really never do. I. Uh, with my girlfriend, really with life. I just don't take anything seriously. I, yeah, just like your uh, top rankings of uh, NBA players. Top rankings of NBA All players. time or current? I'm just saying, if you have Kobe at 16, you definitely don't take it seriously. Oh, stop. <laughs> Lake, come on, man. I, I mean, I, again, you, you, some of these older players you, never, you, you don't even know of. Well, do you know who Walt Frazier is? I, I'm not going to get into it. That's a, I'm not. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. What's the next question, my friend? Last one. Um, how did y'all, what, like, what came about? So is like, you know, I want to go interview Lake. Like how'd that, how'd that come How'd that come about? You know, that's a good question. Uh, when, when I brought in our social media managers and Ricky and, and Jillian, I told them to reach out to, uh, some of the recruits, I, I, you know, we've interviewed NFL players and NHL players and NBA players. I've interviewed, you name the athlete or entertainer, musician, I've interviewed them. I've been around them. I've been in the music uh, industry for over 20, 25 years. I mean, since I was a baby, since I was your age, I was in the, the music industry. Mm. And um, I, I also, you know, in the sports industry, I've been around, uh, I, I've interviewed the best athletes and, and, but you recruits really, when I went interviewing you guys, it really changes my mind of uh, the next athlete. I get to learn a little bit more about you guys. You guys are young. You've never had, uh, you've never done interviews like this. A lot of these professional athletes, they've done it thousands and thousands of times. So they're like robots by answering the question. You kids, you're not robots. You, you, you like to have fun. You like to answer the question in a different kind of way. So uh, when I reached out to Jillian and Ricky, I said, go after the young guys, go after the recruits, the top recruits in the nation. I'd love to interview them. Uh, I think they have a lot to give uh, to the world and, and some of the sports fans out there that would like to get to know them. So, okay. So, you're the next you're, you guys are the next big stars you know when it comes to uh, professional sports and i love the fact because i could say you know i i interviewed uh, lake mcree uh when he was going into college he was a high school student and then when i interview you when you go into the nfl and and i get i get to see you grow as a player that's even more exciting to see what you were when when we interviewed interviewed you in the beginning to now as a professional athlete so yeah that's pretty cool I think it's really, really cool. And I, it gives you guys an outlook to what it's going to be like to interview uh, with some of the best and, and, the, and the brightest bright broadcasters in the country. Yes, sir. So, which, you know, you're talking to one of the greats. So you know, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, you know. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyways, uh, before we let you go, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Um, you can follow me on social media. My uh, Twitter is Lake underscore McCree. And then my Instagram is just Lake McCree. No caps or spaces. Are you following us, Mr. Lake? 
I'm not sure. I don't really check it that often, but I will follow you as soon as I leave this. Well, you should follow us, man. I, I mean, I, and you've got to download our app. I mean, if you're a sports fan, are you a sports fan? I'm a big sports fan. Oh, my God. Lake, what's wrong with you, man? I, I'll, I mean, get on, I'll get on it. I mean, what do you have, an iOS or an Android? Uh, I got an iPhone. An iPhone. All right. So uh, Speedy will send you uh, the way to search. All you got to do is search us on the iPhone in the App Store, WWSRN, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. So Perfect. Speedy will send it to you. I'd love for you to follow us, man. I want to continue. Uh, you know, I, I want I want you to be a follower of us, and I would love to interview you when you play your first year uh, next year on USC. See how you like the school. See how you like the growth of the team, and where you see the team in the future. And uh, I, I want you to be a fan of the show, so uh, so we can continue uh, getting you on, and, and in the future maybe uh, being invited and invited to your draft. Uh, you draft uh, your draft class. And, and by the way, uh, maybe be me being your agent, you know? <laughs> All right. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, definitely follow y'all. You see that? You see that speedy? He's giggling. He doesn't believe that I can actually get him the best contract possible. No, you I am, to like six other recruits too. So you're yes, trying to I am. I am a swift guy, man. When you put me in a room as a salesman, I can get you whatever you want, buddy. So remember that. Uh, anyways, uh, definitely, we'd love to get you back on again if you're interested in coming back on with us. For sure, yes, sir. Now, Kobe Bryant. All right, I, I, I'm. I'm going to give you. I'm going to help you out. I'll, I'll put Kobe Bryant 15. Okay. Does that make you happier? It really doesn't. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> in my top 10. Don't worry, Lake. I'm on your side with that one. Oh, <laughs> you see that? He kisses up to you guys. He kisses up to you. All right, Lake. So, but you're six foot five, 225 pounds. You're about six inches bigger than me. But uh, I, I think I'm a little bit heavier than you. So uh, I might have the edge on you on that one. So <laughs> I don't know if that makes a difference, but uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Lake McCree, ladies and gentlemen, uh, USC tight end recruit. Nice kid. Really, really nice kid. Uh, gave us some good information about the tight end position, uh, why he chose USC and decided not to go to the Longhorns and, uh, and, and you want to know something? I think he made the right choice. I really do. Because I think USC uh, has built tight ends over the years and built good offensive players. Some of these offensive players have made it to the NFL and have succeeded in the NFL. So some of them haven't, as we know, Speedy. But uh, um, I, I think Lake is a nice kid. I, and it's crazy because these guys are so huge. They're 17, 18 years old. And he's six foot five, 225 pounds. I mean, that kid is going to be... You know, by the time he's 20 years old, 21 years old, he's going to be sick. If he doesn't gain, if he doesn't grow two or three more inches, he's going to be like six foot six, 240 pounds of brute muscle. And he's going to be able to run a 40 and four, seven, four, six. I mean, look at some of these tight ends. I mean, uh, the, the Jets have Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims was six foot three. He's a wide receiver. and He ran it in four, four. I mean, it's unbelievable. What these guys can run those, I mean, the ability, athletic ability, some of these kids have, Speedy. Absolutely, especially now with the tight ends, they're getting to get close to receiver speed or even what receiver speed used to be like as a main. They're getting, they're, they're fast now, these guys. And you're right, fast at a very young age and Lake's going to be one of them too. And a lot of the tight ends even we've interviewed, they're all really fast guys and huge right away. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely remarkable what you see some of these athletes and, and what they do it's it's incredible absolutely incredible oh man oh well well before we go to break because we're going to have our next guest and who do we have at 715 speedy we have UMass former umass tennis player Brittany collins and 
you were explaining it to me yesterday. She has a, uh, she filed a, a, law, a suit, a lawsuit, I think, or something like that against the NCAA. She's trying to get her wins back after UMass vacated the wins for her program, along with the uh, some college basketball players as well. She was one of 12 people that got all that vacated. So she's trying to, she's trying to put something towards the NCAA. Crazy. It's a crazy story, and I, I love to hear it from her and, and and the story behind it. She found 200 and some dollars in her bank account. She didn't know where it came from, or she probably didn't even look, and she spent it. And then uh, the NCAA found out uh, that she took money and then vacated all her wins, and, uh, and now she's fighting for it back. I mean, this is one of the this. She was one of the best tennis players in the country. So it's an incredible story. And she reached out to us. And I think all the fans should definitely listen to this story. I think it's a great, great story. But before we go, uh, before we go to break, before we get her on, uh, this whole New York Knicks, Russell Westbrook, John Wall story. And I've always liked John Wall. I've always liked him. I thought I've always thought that when he was 100% healthy, he was one of the top five, top six point guards in the NBA. Now, this guy uh, is coming back from an Achilles injury, and we saw it. Clay Thompson from a torn ACL. Now he has an Achilles injury. Same thing when you look at Kevin, Kevin Durant. We don't know what Kevin Durant's going to be when he comes back from his Achilles injury. Everybody that we've seen in professional sports that come back from an Achilles injury usually are not as good or not as dominant as they were before the injury. I mean, that's a huge injury. It's a, it's a muscle that, you know, when you tear it uh, to rebuild that muscle, it's very, very hard. It really, really is. So um, his size too. And he relies on that leg to step back, make those, uh, make those step back threes. He's the best in the league at doing that and has been his whole career. And even with the mid range, that's, uh, that's a lot to have to deal with on that Achilles for sure at his age. I mean, he's, he's still pretty, he's still young ish. Like he's 30, 31, but it's still a big, big injury this late in his career for a guy who's already had a lot of injury issues as well. Yeah. And John wall. Uh, I, I like John wall. I think he, they, the Knicks would have to give up less for John wall. I mean, John wall still under, a, I think three or two more years left on his contract. Uh, it's not a significant contract like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook's making uh, his, his next three years, 42, 45, and 47 million his last year. Uh, I think that they can get John Wall on a cheap. I would go after John Wall. I think he would fit better in, in that kind of offense, in the Tom Thibodeau type of offense. Now, both of them can't really shoot, but I, I think that John Wall is a better shooter, uh, you know, legitimately a better shooter than Russell Westbrook is behind the three. So I, I think I think John Wall would fit better and he's cheaper. I think John Wall's contract is 25, 27 a year. I mean, that would fit more with the New York Knicks, especially if they decide to bring in another player uh, in the next year, year and a half. So I, I do believe that the Knicks have taken on big contracts because they're getting more draft picks, but not high draft picks are getting second round draft picks. So uh, but they're trying to rebuild through the draft. I think it's a very smart move. Uh, a lot of people do not like what the Knicks did on uh, drafting Obi Toppin because they are they have a, a cluster of um, forwards on the team. They got rid of a couple of them uh, in free agency just recently. They got rid of Portis and and some of the other guys, and now they're they're, they're they want to build their team around their young, youthful players. The guys like R.J. Barrett, the Mitchell Robinsons, and now Obi Toppin. So uh, I, I think John Wall would fit the best. I, uh, how about you? What do you think, Russell Westbrook, John Wall? I think John Wall definitely defensively would, would fit Thibodeau's 
defensive system like a glove. As an overall player, though, I still worry about how he's going to come back because he's been hurt a lot recently. Westbrook's been a little more durable when it comes to that. Uh, and I think Westbrook is still, again, he's, he's, he can't shoot, but really beyond that, he's still a fantastic all-around player. Um, so you're, you're right where it would be wall if, they, if they're trying to go for maybe that stopgap point guard for the two years and until they draft a point guard. Yeah, that, that's the way to go. It depends on what you're looking for. Or if you want the superstar to lure in some more superstar, somebody like Russell Westbrook, that's why you go after Russell Westbrook. So it depends on what the path is for the Knicks, if that's what they're thinking. If they know they're not going to get a superstar, maybe, yeah, maybe John Wall is, is a better trade to make because you're right. They're not going to have to give up a lot because he's been wanting out for a long time. It's not just this year when he just mentioned it. They would probably have to give Julius Randle for John Wall. I think that would be a, a clear swap. They get rid of Julius Randle, which uh, his contract, I think his contract is is about 22, 23 million. You bring in John Wall, which kind of matches where he's making 25, 27. I think that makes more sense than going after a Russell Westbrook where you're going to probably have to give up. I mean, you're hearing some stories that uh, the Rockets want a first round draft pick. Uh, they want two starters for that trade to bring in a Russell Westbrook. I think that's a lot to give up. I mean, or they, and they want a young player. They want, I, I'm looking at, you're probably going to have to give up Julius Randle. Kevin Knox or Frank Nilakina and the first round draft pick. That's a lot for Russell Westbrook. And you're going to take on his contract for three years. That's crazy. Now you're going to have to hope that you could fleece the Rockets GM because again, it's a new inexperienced GM now trying to deal with Russell Westbrook and possibly having to trade James Harden as well. That could be something that the Knicks could take advantage of and fleece them. Well, and also Washington, they have a, I think they have a young GM over there too. So they can probably fleece him too. I mean, but I like what Rose has done. I like what Wesley has done. I like what Tom Thibodeau has done. I think this is a good management team. They're working together. It's not all about Phil Jackson or Steve Mills. I think the Knicks have a bunch of guys that are making decisions. It's not just one guy. You go to one guy, you go to Rose to make the final decision, but it's a bunch of guys making decisions, Speedy. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's finally something that's a lot more competent than trying to just fit what fit a new identity or Phil Jackson trying to bring in everyone just to fit the triangle offense, not try, not get stars that, that, that didn't fit otherwise. It's finally something there. They actually have a legitimate sense of direction and it's just a matter of can they get the free agents and obviously the young players obviously have to be the biggest part of all that with Barrett, with Toppin and all the guys like that. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to UMass tennis player recruit, Brittany Collins here on below the mic only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Below the Mic. We are live every single Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. You can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website, at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download a app. How many times do I have to tell you? Speedy, I'm going to whip you. I'm going to smack you around a couple of times if you don't do this. Fans out there, all you fans out there, if you like sports, listen to us every single day. You can listen to all our shows. They're live. You can watch our shows. You can listen to our shows. You can go and read our articles, all the great stuff that we do here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the app. WWSRN on Apple, or you can go to Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Woo! Speedy, speedy, speedy. 
this uh, simulcast crap over here when you're over there in Connecticut, I can't stand it. I hate producing the shows when I'm trying to concentrate on the damn content of this damn show. Whatever, whatever. Anyways. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, we have our second guest. A very beautiful guest, to say the least. Uh, and, and at least I have something to look at instead of Speedy's face. I mean, that's terrible. I mean, ugh, terrible. You see that, Speedy? You, you see what I do? You see what I, I have to look at you every day. But now I got something to look at. I, I, at, least, at least something. Anyways, uh, we are now talking to UMass tennis player Brittany Collins. What's going on, Britt? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. How are you? We're happy to have you. I mean, we're jumping for joy. I mean, Speedy is too. Look at him. I got to jump in this room. There's a lot of delicate stuff. <laughs> oh, well, you look like you're about to eat your mic because you're, you're covering your face. You look terrible, by the way. You got to bring that mic down so people can look at that beautiful, hairy face. Right, Brittany? Like, I am so small on my screen anyways. I'm blind. <laughs> I can hardly see you guys anyways. You see me. I'm here. Say hello. <laughs> so, Brittany, uh, you know, it's interesting. I saw that you wrote, uh, wrote to us on Twitter, and I, I read uh, – I was actually the one that read what you wrote, and then I reached out to our social media uh, manager and Jillian, and I told her, reach out to Brittany. Uh, I would love to get her on the show. Then I actually went through your Twitter, and I read the story – uh, the background of who you are and what happened to you and what the NCAA did to you. It's absolutely obnoxious what they did to you. Why don't you tell the fans on what they tried to pull on you and, and what they're doing to you and, and how much you're, how, how far you've gone to fight this? Yeah. Oh man. So uh, I guess for me, this started about a month ago. Um, I received a text from one of my coaches with kind of like a headline that UMass was in trouble for impermissible benefits. And I didn't think anything of it because you really don't hear much of women's tennis in the uh, news. And as I clicked on it, I kind of read that um, I wasn't named, but it was two student athletes who had moved off campus and I was one of them. Um, there was really no other options and found out that um, sometime in 2015-16, uh, in my lump sum of uh, scholarship money that gets directly deposited into my bank account, um, mistakenly there was $252 put in there for what is known as a telecom fee. Mm. And that's a stipend that is um, only entitled to students who live on campus as it's, um, I don't want to say reimbursement, but it just covers the cost of a landline, uh, mm -hmm. like a phone jack. And uh, there was some clerical error in which they didn't realize I moved off campus my junior year with another teammate of myself uh, on my team. And um, yeah, unfortunately, they UMass found this error, self-reported it, which that that is the great part is that they they did come forward and said, you know, we accidentally overpaid one of our athletes. $252 and uh, some infraction 504 and unfortunately um, you know at first the NCAA said that's great thank you for coming forward like glad you guys caught this error um, we're going to agree to a self-imposed fine of $5,000 and uh, one to two years of probation and that's great that the agreement you know was done until the committee on infractions came back and said um no, they need to vacate their seasons uh, 2015 to 2017 because they had this on-court advantage, which is 
nuts to say the least and in the kindest way. Um, so, you know, that night that I found out, I started a petition um, with my teammates asking, you know, why detailing all the reasons why this is so wrong on so many different levels, um, you know, clear abuse of power here by the NCAA and not protecting their student athletes. So it's kind of, you know, made its way. Um, been talking to a lot of great media outlets, having support from people like Dick Vitale and, and many more. So that's kind of where we are today, trying to work with senators and Congress to see if we can really push this thing farther um, and, you know, kind of demand answers from the NCAA, not just for us, but for collegiate athletes in general. First of all, and, I, and by the way, we are talking to Brittany Collins, uh, UMass tennis player. Uh, to me, I believe college athletes should be paid. I, I've been saying this over and over again. Somehow, if, if they want to sign autographs and, and go out there and sign their own autographs to their jerseys, they should be paid for that. I don't understand why the NCAA will, will drive sanctions at the school or to the player if they find out you're making some money. That, that makes absolutely no sense, by the way. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. I remember, uh, what was it, uh, 10 years ago, USC was sanctioned because – uh, of, uh, I think it was Reggie Bush taking money and Pete Carroll was doing something, you know, and that's why Pete Carroll went to Seattle and uh, they took away their championships. And then Louisville, uh, they were, they were doing something on the side and, and they took away their championship uh, at Louisville basketball. So, you know, I don't understand these sanctions that the NCAA is trying to do. Now they're making millions and millions of dollars. Am I right? They're making millions of dollars. Yeah, um, I think they make a billion. Um, and I think it's even more than that, to be honest, um, which is, is wild to say out loud. So they're making millions and millions of dollars off you athletes, okay? Uh, you're talking about a ball game in college, uh, college football. Uh, every ball game that they play, you're, uh, the college is making 30 to $40 million. And in, in, in NCAA basketball, NCAA basketball, every round that a team goes to, they make an extra $10 million, $10 million. So I, I don't understand. I, I, and and this, is, this is, to me, completely appalling that a college student who didn't even know that she got $252 in her account and you know, being that it was direct deposit, why would you be? I don't even look at my direct deposit. Right, seriously, <laughs> who looks at their direct deposit? I mean, I bought something the other day and then I returned it. Do you think I went looking back if I if I, I got six or seven dollars back on my direct direct deposit to me? No, I didn't. I don't care about six seven dollars. So why would I care to know that I had two hundred and fifty two dollars? All I'm going to say is I got a thousand dollars in my bank account. I'm going to spend two hundred of it. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it, it's not something that anyone would have picked up on because it fluctuated by really small amounts, depending on books that year or, you know, uh, whatever, you know, cost of attendance was. So unless I like, you know, emailed the school and said, can I have a complete breakdown of what I'm getting paid for, which is honestly really unusual for anyone to do, um, then I wouldn't have noticed it. And to be honest, if I did get a breakdown and I saw a telecom fee, I would have thought I was entitled to it. So there is no way of really knowing and, and it is such a small undetectable thing, to be honest. So I want to ask you, because again, your case is very specific, specifically with your team. And also it was the men's basketball team that year. I think it was like, a, like I said earlier, I think combined 12 athletes or something yeah. uh, total. And um, 
Do you think the NCAA has some like unfair treatment or particular biases when, when looking at these kinds of scandals? Because we see, like Arrow will say, you saw Louisville get, real, get really hit hard. You saw USC hit hard. But then there's a team like Kansas basketball a couple, couple years ago with, um, with them having illegal recruiting issues uh, with Sylvia D'Souza and I forget the other guy's name that uh, they tampered with. You obviously saw Sean Miller, DeAndre in that whole incident, paying them $100,000. Do you think there's a particular bias that goes around with different sports, different players, and uh, obviously different schools? Yeah, no, great question. Um, absolutely. This is one of our, you know, biggest points. Um, one of the, the fact that the NCAA says that their, you know, main goal is to protect student athletes is, excuse my language, kind of a load of crap because yeah. they look the other way, just as you've mentioned, when it's the schools that are making them millions, but they go and try and set an example out of UMass tennis and UMass basketball, you know, kind of not a small state school, but one that doesn't really bring in a lot of revenue, um, you know, compared to the other schools. So it's clearly, uh, I think that's like kind of our biggest problem is that the NCAA is both the judge, you know, and the rule maker. So they don't really have anyone to answer to. So they can turn a blind eye, you know, when it comes to who is going to keep making them revenue. So uh, really glad you asked that question. That's one of our main points. And, you know, we want explanation for, you know, why we're doled out the harshest punishment, you know, really possible when they have really reserved vacating seasons for like, you know, the most major offenses done with intent. And obviously this was a minor offense done without intent. They should be answering to us and they, they will be answering to us because we are the press. And, and, and to me, that's the only people they're going to listen to because it, it doesn't matter to the parents, to the athletes. They're going to do whatever the hell they want. That's what the NCAA does. They don't care about the students. They care about the money that goes into their pockets. It's, it's all political. It's all political. So unfortunately, uh, students like you that, and, and, and schools like UMass are getting attacked. You cannot take away wins. You can't take away championships because you, they, 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 your rules, they break your rules. I mean, there are so many people, there are so many athletes that have broken the rules and never got caught, never got caught. Yeah. But because, because they're football players, like you were saying, because they're professional, they're, they're going to be the next professional. You remember the story with Memphis and Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose was cheating. They were cheating on tests. He wasn't going to classes. They were practically passing him through. So, cause they knew that he was, he was, that he was going to be the number one pick in the draft and he was going to take Memphis all the way to a national championship. And that's why they did it. And what, what did Derrick Rose, it eventually came out. Did they do anything to Derrick Rose? Did they do anything to Memphis? The answer is no, they didn't do anything. They did absolutely nothing. So uh, again, I, I agree with you. I think the NCAA, they attack um, other sports or schools that are smaller than the big schools because they're trying to make a statement. They're trying to say, you see, look what we did to them. If you don't stop it, we're going to do it to you, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Really kind of shameful. And, and hopefully, you know, we can get that change in some way. Like you said, you know, credit to you. It's so awesome to be talking to a number of media outlets because trying to get, you know, as much awareness out there that these things happen is so important to making change. And, and then we can get, you know, the attention of, you know, the politicians and, and say like, Hey, like this is really what's going on. And it starts with the media reporting on, you know, kind of the, uh, the unfortunate events that have kind of brought us here. Do you think there's anything specific that the NCAA in terms of a rule or in terms of 
maybe a different way of approaching it can can deal with these specific payments because like like in your case it's very specific with that type of phone for example that's only supposed to be used in on campus living like something specific like that the term that was used in an article i was reading there's stipend something like that do you yes. think there's anything specific they could do it with different cases because i'm sure there's many different things especially now with all the technology available and more accessibility to certain things outside of campus. Do you think there's specific yeah. rules that can make a difference in terms of that change? Or maybe something with the scholarship itself, the athletic scholarship that can be changed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of in like a two-part answer, one starting with myself, you know, that stipend actually got discontinued that 2015, 16 year. So it doesn't even exist, you know, the year after yet, I'm still vacated for that season, even though it didn't exist anymore, which is really interesting. But I mean, I think the first rule in regards to UMass tennis, if a student athlete, like, you know, something as minor as this doesn't, you know, or collegiate athlete doesn't have awareness, um, and, you know, they can, you know, prove that there was no athletic, you know, advantage on the field, then the schools should be the ones kind of taking the punishment. And as our athletic director has so kindly stated multiple times, Ryan Bamford, like this, the school is at fault here. So the school should be the ones taking the punishment with, you know, larger fines or longer probations. The, the collegiate athletes should be really left out of it. Um, and, you know, just kind of including me in the investigation, not once was I ever contacted. Um, you know, if they asked me if I still had that $252, well, my bank account has never gone below that. So I could just give it right back. So to say I had an you know, athletic advantage is kind of crazy, but they wouldn't know that because they've never asked me. And then in, in a broader sense to your question, um, I think, you know, there needs to be larger rule, uh, not rules, I would say, you know, really bills that give power back to collegiate athletes so that, um, you know, they have somewhere to go, like an ind independent organization that, that can actually defend them in situations like ourselves, because really we don't have anywhere to go. Um, we, the people we answer to are the people making the rules, which I, I know I said before, but that's really kind of the biggest problem. So, you know, whether that be, you know, paying athletes or, you know, collective uh, bargaining agreements so that, you know, some sort of power dynamic shift can happen. That's, that's really what's important here. We are talking to UMass tennis player, Brittany Collins. Now, Brittany is right now fighting with the sanctions of the NCAA right now because um, uh, the UMass actually uh, sent her direct deposit $252 into her bank account and then um, are now sanctioning the school uh, and all this crap that's going on. They're taking away wins and championships and all the crap. And I think the NCAA needs to open up their eyes because if they don't, you're, you're going to see these players slowly, but surely not tennis players, but the future athletes, professional athletes decide, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to play college sports. I'm not even going to waste my time. I want to make money. Half these kids are coming from poor families or come from families that don't have money. And they go over there because they want to call their parents want them to go for a college education. But the truth is they're only going there for one or two years to, to, to obviously, so they, they can have, have the opportunity to move into the NFL draft or the NBA draft, the one year one and done, uh, because that's the rules with the NBA right now. And the NFL, it's two years at uh, your third year you can go into the NFL and, and to me it's it, it's all sanctioned I think that 
when you look at the big picture, even Brittany uh, coming out and, and, and not she's not attacking the NCAA. She's not doing that. She's saying that there has to be some kind of fairness to what's going on, uh, not only in her sport, but all the sports. And you can't look at one sport and say because they're bringing and generating more money uh, that uh, they're going to just get pushed to the side and they're attacking a smaller school and a sport that doesn't bring in as much revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well said. Very well said. Um, yeah. I think it, you know, just kind of goes back to the well-being of collegiate athletes and their safety and how can we ensure that. And it's really hard to do that when the focus is all about who's making the money. So why don't you, uh, to me, I, I would go around, I would try to set something up on Facebook. This is what I would do if I were you. Uh, I would try to get some uh, uh, college athletes that agree with you that will follow through with this. Uh, name, like big name athletes come out and, and join your, uh, uh, your fight against the NCAA and, and have them follow and, and be spokesmen from uh, your fight. I, I think that would be a great idea, uh, Brittany. Uh, you're a young lady. Uh, you can be the spokeswoman for uh, the organization, uh, found, maybe even build a foundation through this and, yeah. and help, uh, help raise awareness of what's going on with the NCAA. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to kind of educate myself um, because politics definitely does play a role in this um, and surround myself with you know, really great people. I've just started working with the Drake group who's done NCAA reform for a long time. I'm in contact with Jeremy Bloom, who basically is doing the same thing that I'm doing now 15 years ago. He testified in Congress, which I think I might do later this year to help try and pass legislation. Um, so just like you said, I'm trying to find a circle of people and it seems to be a really great one talking with a lot of lawyers. Um, right now, not, not necessarily to file suit, but um, just to see, you know, what we can all do together, because this is a huge conversation, one that's been going on for a long time. And while this kind of has sucked, I guess, for UMass Tennis, this has really brought out a lot of good and positive things, and I think is moving it towards the right direction. So before we let you go, uh, let's let's come off this and let's talk about some fun things. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing right now in school? Are you a senior? Or are you a junior? Actually, so I actually play professional tennis now. I graduated in 2017, which makes this story even crazier because I'm okay. three years out of school. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm actually from Boston and I'm playing um, professionally now, but things are quiet because of the pandemic. So, uh, so you want to go and play in Wimbledon, US Open, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, ideally, yes. <laughs> All right. So uh, are you a ranked player? Were you a ranked player in college? Um, in college, I do not believe so, but I'd have to go back and look. Um, but, uh, I know our team, I think got a ranking at one point, but, um, I am WTA ranked, um, in singles and doubles. I, I think I fell quite a bit since the pandemic. I haven't actually played a match since March because of, you know, COVID and the restrictions with, uh, women's tennis right now. I was a pretty good tennis player too. I, I mean, if we played one-on-one, -on -one, I, I, I probably uh, get one point or. <laughs> I, most likely I do throw in double faults time to time. So. Oh yeah. You'll, you'll kill me and you'll probably beat me. Uh, you know, it'll be like, it'll go from 30 love to 40 love to loss. That's, that's, <laughs> that's probably what's going to happen. I mean, I watch, I watch tennis. I played tennis my senior year at uh, high school. I'm sorry. Um, I, at the time, I, my, my hockey coach told me he didn't want me to run. He didn't want me to play football my senior year 
of high school. He said, just strictly play something that is not full contact. I don't want you getting hurt. So I decided it was either golf being uh, playing for uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't part of the school. I guess you could say it was a, a team that you go and play golf with the, you know, whatever. I forget, what do they call that? Intramurals or something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like our club teams. Yeah. yeah. It was a club team or some crap like that. But I didn't want to play golf because I thought it was boring, you know. But so I, I said, you know what, I'm going to go play tennis. I'm going to go try out. So, I mean, you see all these uh, you see all these beautiful girls and all this. I, I could do this. This is easy. You know, so I stepped on a court and it took a while. I can't serve for crap. I was terrible. I, I mean, but I can run. So I, what they did against me, I, I, I play ping pong. So I was a very good ping pong player when I was a kid. Okay. Very good. Uh, so I knew how to put backspin on a ball, but it's completely different in tennis. And, and it took a while. And b- by the way, uh, by the time I was done my senior year, you know, my senior year playing uh, tennis, I was doing, I was second in uh, second in singles and third in doubles. So oh, nice. yeah, right. I was pretty good. I was pretty good. I could still couldn't serve. I'm terrible at serving. <laughs> To, to this day, I'm terrible, but I can run after a ball and I have so, I have such quick reflexes. When I, when I was playing sports, I had such quick, re- and, and tennis, it's you need, yes. yeah, say it's super important for tennis. So, well, all sports, of course, but no tennis. Oh my God. Tennis, believe it or not, tennis is the hardest sport I've ever played. It is the hardest sport. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. You guys think you, you watch tennis players hit a ball over the net and you're running back and forth. It is not easy. Serena Williams, there's a reason why she's one of the greatest tennis players to ever play the game and one of the greatest athletes to ever play. Yeah, tennis players are unbelievable. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, it's uh, Once you get started, I think a lot of people like like it when they, you know, after you know trying it a few times. It's not always everyone's favorite to watch, but I think it's a lot more fun to play. Absolutely. So before we let you go, um, are you following us on social media? Yes, I believe I am. Um, I think we've been kind of sharing the petition back and forth. Um, so yeah, I am. I think I'm all set following you guys everywhere on social media. You, know, you got to follow me on my social media. Don't follow Speedy because uh, Speedy <laughs> is uh, the, the bearded werewolf over there. So he needs to shave a little bit. You should have saw him, Brittany, uh, about a month ago. Uh, what he did was he shaved his beard and he looked like Fred. He kept his mustache like Freddie Mercury because we had a, uh, he, he seriously looked like Freddie Mercury. Um, we had one of, uh, who do we have on? Oh, we had a- uh, Tolik Bortz. Bortz on. He makes a lot of masks for uh, for hockey players and also for in- underprivileged communities. And one of the things he oh. has, is a big advocate of was uh, Movember. Uh, obviously, we've seen we've seen people do that for many different reasons. So I did it for a couple of weeks, yeah. and now all my facial hair grew back. Grew back. <laughs> Why not? We're we're in the we can do whatever we want. Twenty twenty has been a tough year. <laughs> well, I want I want to actually reach out to Mr. Bortz and see if he can make you a mask that stands for what is going on with you in the NCAA. And, and maybe, awesome. I would maybe, love that. maybe have you guys design something where all the, you know, all the, uh, uh, the submission of what's going on, maybe you going to the Senate and stuff like that, you can wear that mask and show yeah. off and I have love to. and have all the other petition people that are following you to wear the mask too. Yeah, that's a great idea actually, yeah. so. Definitely uh, connect me and uh, I'll be on the lookout for that. Speedy, you there? Mm-hmm. Reach out to Mr. Bortz. Let's uh, hook uh, Mr. Bortz and Brittany up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, he's a really, really nice guy. He, he, 
he made the he made the face masks for the uh, the NHL, the New York Rangers for the playoffs. Um, he's he he's he's running a foundation. It's a nonprofit organization. Uh, I think he would absolutely love to do something with you. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm very about it. So thank you very much for bringing that up. Oh man, I, you know, I'm the greatest, you know, Speedy, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, who, who's lost on that one? Anyways, Brittany, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Yeah. Um, oh man. <laughs> I almost never look at my own social media. I think it's at Britt Collins, um, 22, uh, Collins is with an E and not an I. So that's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, Brittany Collins, I think Britt Collins 22 is everything I use. And, uh, the most important thing is getting signatures on our petition so we can appeal this to the NCAA. Send it to us. We'll sign it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Send, send it to us. We'll sign it. And by the way, we'd love to get you on uh, in the near future to talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing moving forward with this and, and whatever we can do to help. We would love to be there and help you. Well, I very much appreciate it. And so does UMass Tennis. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Brittany Collins, ladies and gentlemen, UMass, well, was an ex-UMass tennis player. Three years as a professional. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching her play in Wimbledon or US Open. I am a tennis fan. Believe it or not, I grew up an Andre Agassi fan, a Pete Sampras fan. I watched a lot of tennis when I was a kid. Unfortunately, there are not many good American players besides Serena Williams anymore. So uh, we're hoping maybe Brittany will be the next big ranked American girl tennis player. And I'd be rooting for you, Britt. So uh-huh. Thank uh, you. absolutely, absolutely. So Brittany Collins. Well, 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 Speedy. Um, we got about uh, 20 minutes or 18 minutes left of the show. Uh, so uh, we do we do have to finish up with uh, some of our NFL picks, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we got Thanksgiving games tomorrow. We got two of them. The Ravens Steelers just got moved to uh, to Sunday because two Ravens, I think it was J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, both tested positive for COVID. So they got that got moved. So it's Texans Lions and it's Washington and the Cowboys, the two traditional Thanksgiving games. So you want me to go first? You want to go first? Ah, let's let's get a, a couple of let's get some instrumental here to help you out over here. Let's uh, let's do a little privacy, a little slow kind of music, cause cause you're so low. There we go. There we go. Go ahead. All right. So I'll, so we'll start with the with the Texans and the Lions in Detroit. Obviously, they host it every year. This is an interesting matchup. I like the Texans in this one, though, because I think Deshaun Watson's done well against Matt Patricia's defense when he was in New England, and that's, that style has always had trouble against running quarterbacks, and I think that's going to make a big difference. The receiving depth is still, again, it's not great. Obviously, they traded Hopkins, but it's still decent enough where they could take, attack that secondary. I think a more high-scoring game, I'll say 34-27 Houston. It's an interesting game. This is actually going to be a fun game to watch. I, don't be surprised if this is this is the best game of the week. And I know a lot of people say, well, Pittsburgh and, and the Ravens are the, the, the Thursday night game. But uh, the Ravens haven't played well. And, 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 and what we've seen with Lamar Jackson, he has been a complete bust this year. This was the MVP of the league. But uh, the Texans are a team that, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson showed you why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last week. Uh, he outplayed uh, his opponent the way we expected him to last week. And then you're going over there with Matthew Stafford. Believe it or not, the Lions have played very, very well on Thanksgiving. They really have. Over the last couple of years, they have. So it's interesting when you have Matthew Stafford against Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to go with the Lions in this game. I will. 
I think the Lions are being at their home. They played well on Thanksgiving. Uh, and Matthew Stafford has a lot to prove because he will not be a Lion next year. So he'd be looking uh, – I know the Lions will be looking to trade him in the offseason. Uh, watch out for the New England Patriots. I've been saying that for a very long time. Don't be so surprised if Matthew Stafford gets traded to the New England Patriots. So I've got the Lions. All right. So Washington and Dallas is the other – Thanksgiving game. Uh, I like Washington in this one. I think that Dallas's defense has still had a lot of trouble so far. I know they beat the Vikings last week, but that's not because of their defense. That was because of their offense. Uh, Washington's gotten a little better offensively. Alex Smith has continued to impress. He's done very well so far um, in the second half of the season. So I think Washington, I think they'll, the game will be kind of close because the, the Cowboys offense did bounce back nicely. But I'll take Washington. I'll say 26 to 20. Yeah, I got the Cowboys in this game. They're, they're the home team. I'm going with the home teams. I, I am. I, I don't know. I haven't decided yet with Pittsburgh and uh, the Ravens, but uh, I got the Cowboys in this game. I, I know they have a fifth string or sixth string quarterback playing for them, and I really – I don't think it has anything to do with uh, the quarterback playing this game. I think it's going to be all about the running, uh, the, running uh, the running game and the Cowboys. And I believe over the last couple of years we've seen the Cowboys in the uh, Thanksgiving games – uh, Ezekiel Elliott has had good games. And I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to have a breakout game against the Washington football team, even though the Washington football team has looked better defensively for the last couple of weeks. I think the Cowboys offensive line has also looked pretty good. And I think they're going to be able to run the ball against the Washington football team. So I have the Cowboys in this game. All right. Steelers and Ravens now not Thanksgiving anymore. Moved to one o'clock because of the COVID concerns. Ravens at the Steelers. I am actually going to take the upset. I think this is the first loss of the season for the Steelers. I think they're due at some point. And we've, we've had this one kind of penciled as what, what could be. We've seen the Ravens win in Pittsburgh and vice versa. And I think this is – I can't just can't see them losing three in a row. I think their defense bounces back. Well, hold on one second. Uh, so when is Pittsburgh and the, and the Ravens playing? So they're playing Sunday at 1 now. Instead Why? Of that sucks. That ruins – that ruins really Thursday night football. It ruins, uh, it ruins everything that we wait for, for the NFL on Thanksgiving. That's terrible. But I think that kind of ex that extra rest. When did that happen? Game. When when was that? Uh, when did that come out? Just announced this morning that they changed. Oh my it. god, that was terrible! Terrible by the NFL. Absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, I think that helps the Ravens though because the steel uh, the Ravens have a little bit of time to and. Uh, Cardio burns no. fat, Speedy. Did Cardio you hear that? Cardio actually burns calories. Cardio burns calories. Go ahead, Speedy. So I'll take the Ravens. Uh, I think it'll be kind of a lower scoring game. I'm not I'll even going to make the pick. I'm pissed off now. Uh, I'll say 23-20. Uh, I, I have the Ravens in the game too, but I don't even want to make my pick. I, it, it's, it's, it's disgraceful. I, I, what is This has nothing to do with COVID-19. What, what does it matter if they play at one o'clock or eight o'clock is COVID out there? Is it, does COVID come out in the nighttime? They're like uh, killer bees or something. It's ridiculous. What, what stops the NFL to have an eight o'clock game for the NFL? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know. You sit there, which you have a stick stuck up your ass, Speedy. Why don't you grow a set of balls and speak? I mean, it's ridiculous. The NFL, it, it, they make, same thing with the NCAA. The NFL does the same damn thing. It's it's so pathetic. With the Macy's Day Parade, they're gonna have a virtual parade. Who that? They don't have a parade. Don't have a parade. What is the point of having a parade if it's gonna be virtually? It doesn't make sense. 
And then you, and then you, you, you're looking at the NFL. Why would you have a 12:30 game and a four o'clock game if you're not going to have an eight o'clock game? Right. Mm-hmm. What is yeah, the point of that? Yeah, that always COVID nineteen. Why don't you just speak up and just say the players didn't want to play in the game because they want to spend time with their families? I mean, yeah, but if that, if that was the case, that would be a tradition every year, though. This is a different whole, whole different circumstances though with that. So, I guess they haven't been able to to settle it down with those two running backs yet. And, that could be a big loss for them if they, they, they are not able to play. I think Dobbins got it first, and then Ingram was close after that. I think it's absolutely pathetic. I think the NFL needs to change that. I I, I don't think they're going to change it because the, – but you do it uh, the day before the Thanksgiving games. Why would you do that? You should have done that uh, – first of all, wait a second. Last week they had a Thursday night football game, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The week before that they had a Thursday night football game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So why are they changing a Thursday night football game this week? What is the difference if COVID-19 is, is right now functioning or if it isn't? What does that have anything to do with it? I don't know. It must be just the facilities, I guess. But if they're playing in Pittsburgh, though, and it was the Ravens' facility, so I don't know. It, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. Uh, right. Before we go, uh, before we go, I want to get off the uh, football topic, baseball. Uh, there are some stories coming out that uh, Blake Snell – is available, which I'm very surprised. Why would the Tampa Bay, first of all, he's at the peak of his career. Now I understand they like to get rid of players before they start to break down. Blake Snell is 24 years old, 25 years old. He's a kid. Now, why are they, why are they thinking about trading him now when he's at the hottest point of his his career right now? He, they don't trade players at this age, the way they are, what they're talking about training Blake Snell, Blake Snell, at the age of 20, 24, 25. I, that doesn't make any sense, Speedy. Yeah, I think they're maybe just trying to sell him at his highest point. But even so, is that really is that really going to be a benefit right now to a team that has a lot of young relief pitchers already? The, the Rays don't need much, so they, they should try to hang on to as many stars as they can. And I, I don't think Snell's going to get a ton of money. I mean, he's, he's had a Cy Young year, and yeah, he played well in the postseason this year. Yeah, but he's not – I wouldn't say he's like an elite like every He's going to get $30 million a year, Speedy. So – Right. So I think they could try their best to, to hang on to them if, because the Rays have enough depth. Now, you're right. They do replenish well. So maybe that's why you're trusting the process of that kind of system. But it still is very strange as a whole for them to be able to do that right now. And you wonder how much is going to drop his value now that they're saying they're actively shopping him. And that's a never a good sign either, which is unlike the Rays. They usually do things very sneaky. Now, let me ask you this question. The Yankees, what do you think the Yankees have to give up to get a Blake Snell? Ooh, that is tricky. Def- I think definitely one of their their young pitchers for sure. You mentioned Montgomery earlier. Maybe it is, maybe they're gonna want more. I think they're gonna want more. No, I know it might. It, I, I know you're not gonna like this. It might have to take somebody like Garcia because or again, Savarino or or Savarino yeah. or Savarino. Yeah, but again, I think I think the Rays if they're trying to trade him, I don't know if they're be looking for to gamble on something else like a Severino who's had his injury problems. So I don't know if they would. Necessarily- but he's under. A, first of all, he has an affordable contract a very affordable contract. The Yankees signed him for a four or five year deal. He's only making 70 or $80 million. That's not a lot for a starting pitcher and you have control of him for the next three years. So that, that makes sense. You don't have to overpay him. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like with a raise with all the injury prone players they have already, I don't know if they want to take that kind of chance though. I think they're at that point, they'd rather hang on the Snell and let him ride it out and again, see or see value from other teams or something like that. I think the because you mentioned all the time. I think the Yankees they have a wealth of young players and young players that are not going to have roster space right now. So the Razor could have probably won a, a, a good slew of that. 
and definitely they're going to start with pitching. You mentioned Andujar earlier. It might be even somebody else on the active roster right now. I don't think they'll trade Frazier because Frazier was too valuable for them this year. They're not trading Frazier. But, I mean, maybe this is a deal that we were talking about moving Gary Sanchez. Maybe this is a deal he's involved in, too, because the Rays could the Rays have always had up and down years with their catchers, too. So maybe that's something they could spark. Well, Gary Sanchez, Saverino, and somebody one or two prospects in the farm system. And that, I think that would seal the deal for Blake Snell. I, I, again, I, if they want Severino, that's going to that's gonna be the big question. Severino's an add-on piece that gives you a pitcher, a pitcher that's affordable to keep. And Saverino comes he, – he has a – he torn his uh, UCL and he has a shoulder injury. He's going to come back even better. I don't know why you keep saying – how many times do we see pitchers come back from an injury, a UCL, and they're much better? I, I, I believe Saverino will be a much better pitcher when he comes back from his injury. So I, I, I think know that if they're going to make that kind of trade and make him the primary piece of that kind of trade. I just said Gary that. Sanchez. You know, are you listening to me? Gary Sanchez, Luis Saverino, and two prospects in their farm system. That would seal the deal that you're getting two starters. You're getting uh, one of the best catchers in baseball, uh, one of the best offensive catchers in baseball, and you're getting Saverino who has been, you know, when healthy, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. And you're getting two prospects, double A or triple A prospects. That would seal the deal for Blake Snell. I think that would be a perfect deal for the Yankees to bring in Blake Snell. And I do believe the Yankees will look at Blake Snell and, and, and make a move for him because he's still under, uh, I, st- I still think he's under his rookie contract for another two years. Yep. And he's a really affordable rookie contract. I think he got most of it paid already in, in the early part of his career. I don't think he's making much at all right now. Even again, I'm surprised that that case happens with the arbitration cases right after him winning a Cy Young. It was very low after that, maybe because he thought he had tr- trouble the next year. Um, when do you think the the well, obviously the trade, um, the trade room, not to trade, uh, free agency. When when does free agency open up for the uh, the MLB? I want to say December sixth was the start date they had. I know they pushed it back a little bit. The winter. So that's meeting. a week away. Yeah. I think they pushed it back uh, a little bit from what it was last year, because I think last year it started in November. But I believe December 6th was the start date that they had in mind, assuming everything went right in terms of getting the getting everything involved and settled in. Because normally they have it in one set location, but obviously they can't do that with the pandemic right now. Well, it's going to be very, very interesting. I, I do believe George Springer will be a New York Met by the 6th. If they haven't really uh, already made the deal with George Springer, I'm sure they have a significant deal. I mean, George Springer, Springer is going to get $200 million a year. He's going to get a lot of money. He's one of the, if not, if he's not the best center fielder in the league, he's one of the top three, top four center fielders in the league. He's going to get a lot of money, and it's not. I don't think Houston's going to pay him. Uh, and I do believe the Red Sox and the Mets are the two teams, the front runners to get him. I, I I do believe the Mets will get who they want because uh, Cohen is the richer guy. He's the richer owner. And I, I, I do believe that they're gunning for at least one. I, I keep hearing all these different guys that uh, Josh is, is saying that they should go after Nolan Arenado. They should go after this guy. They're not going after all these guys. They're not Bauer. They're not getting all these guys. This, I don't care how much money they're going to get back from the Robertson Cano move. And I, that might help them go after another big time player, but if, if at best you're going to get one or two guys, that's it. That's all they're going to spend. You, I can't expect Steven Co- Stevie Cohen to go after bi- all these big name players and, and spend 400, 500 million dollars in his first year as an, as the Mets head co- uh, Mets, Mets owner. So yeah, I've also seen I that something backfire at times too with 
teams that have these big, big spending sprees and everyone thinks they're going to be very good. Look at the Marlins in 2011 when they, or yeah, 2011, when they went after Jose Reyes, they went after Mark Burley, all those guys. And that, that was a big flop. Then the Blue Jays tried it. Then the Padres we saw try it and that didn't work. So he's going to definitely be smart. But I'm like, I, like Josh was saying too, he's not going to be reckless with the money. Like we've seen some other big, big market teams like, like the Tigers, like the Angels. Like he's not going to be reckless like that kind of thing. So yeah, I think it'll be probably one big, player and maybe a, a significant trade to help out their either help out their pitching staff or help out their bullpen because they definitely could use help there everything i've read ladies and gentlemen dj lemay will sign with he will sign back with the new york yankees mm -hmm. by december 6th so uh, i do believe the yankees will seal the deal with dj lemay he will stay with the yankees he's their uh number one target uh this offseason to make sure that he's happy and then they're gonna have uh now that gary sanchez they arbitrated gary sanchez uh i do believe that the yankees will uh try to trade him one way or another so uh, we'll see what happens moving forward uh this offseason for baseball anyways that's it for our show ladies and gentlemen the weekend crunch definitely tune in 103.9 the li news radio network uh every saturday at 7 p.m to 9 p.m New York Eastern time, me, Eric Coleman, Speedy. Uh, we have a great show uh, this week. We have a show line, a great show lined up for you guys. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all. Absolutely happy Thanksgiving to all you guys. Make sure you eat. Don't drive drunk. Don't drive home drinking or smoking or whatever the heck you do for fun. Uh, make sure that you take care of yourselves and your families. And uh, we will talk to you uh, Monday of next week. Uh, until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night. And we will talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.